in uh, Psalm 37 this morning, our last psalm. We've been doing summer psalms all, all year, uh, and so this is our last one of the year. It's a fairly long psalm, 40 verses is what it weighs in at, uh, and I'm going to do it a little differently than usual. We usually work through every aspect of the text. Uh, today we won't do that. Um, instead, we're going to focus on one major theme that comes out near the beginning of it. Um, so we're going to read just the first 11 verses of Psalm 37 today. So in effect, that's our text, but we'll, we'll also look at some of the other bits of it later. Um, yeah, so um, however, before we do read it, I always like to give you a little bit of context here. It is written by King David, uh, and King David, you know, lived to an old age, and uh, this was written when he was old. And you think, well, how can you tell that? Well, it's not detective work. If you look there in verse 25, he says, I have been young and now I am old. So there's my detective work. Um, and it's important that we understand that he's old at this point because he has uh, <clears throat> had many, many years of, of living. And there's something that often comes with that. Uh, he has seen God's faithfulness despite some really horrible things that have gone on around him. Some of them he's the cause of. Some of them just happened around him. Uh, and he's seen God's faithfulness through it all. He's, he's seen that uh, in both his life and the lives of many others around him. And so uh, he, he comes with that. Uh, it's also important that you understand that this is a wisdom psalm. That's the category of it. In fact, uh, in the middle section, some of what we won't be reading, though, uh, here, it is, it is very much like working through the book of Proverbs. These, these real short examples that give us uh, this contrast between uh, wickedness and righteousness on, on the other side. And, and the whole point of this is that we, we learn something, that we learn Wisdom is the goal of, of this psalm here, of, of God giving it to us. And so, uh, let's read Psalm uh, 37, verses 1 through 11, and, and then we'll get into it. Uh, first one. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the, the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the, me but, uh, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may we not come to your word today looking to be entertained, nor as an academic exercise. Uh, rather, draw us into your word as, as hungry men brought before a feast and as thirsty women who stand before water. May our need for substance be met in, in you, in the holy scriptures here, Lord. And so we're asking you to give us faith to believe your word is your word. We pray this in the name of, of Christ our Savior. Amen. <clears throat> so let me start off with this, if you don't know me. I, I'm not a curmudgeon. You know that word? I'm not an angry old man yet. Uh, 
But if I'm honest, if I'm truly honest, uh, the older I get, the, the more I find myself tempted to become a, a bitter old curmudgeon. It's, it's there. It, it could be the direction that someone goes to just be crushed by the, the undoing of the world that we live in. And I, I don't think I'm alone in, in this feeling. I, I get the sense that, that you, at least many of you, m- might be feeling the weight of, uh, as you kind of watch what, what has been a more Christian worldview unraveling ar- around us. Now, it, it's easy to, to trace some of the larger changes in our, our culture, our nation, in fact, right? In the, in the summer of 69, Ronald Reagan, who I know is the hero of some of you, not real hero, but a hero, uh, then the governor of California, when he signed into law the no-fault divorce. You go up to January 22nd, 1973, that the killing of unborn children was, was legalized. Some of you probably remember more, June 26, 2015, when same-sex marriage was legalized. And six years later, we find that it's, it is fairly normalized in our culture at this point. We are living in a time that can quickly... Um, cause us to become disillusioned if we allow that to happen. You see, from uh, across the oceans, we hear story after story of, of fellow Christians who are, are killed simply because of their faith in Jesus. And heartbreakingly, uh, we're, we're seeing this in Afghanistan right now. We, we've witnessed the transition of uh, pornography in my childhood being this shady thing that was in the corners uh, of society to being celebrated in the culture and readily available on the phone of uh, that resides in just about every single one of your pockets. We've watched corporate greed choke out small businesses. We've observed uh, churches become large businesses and very little besides that. We've watched the complete loss of any sexual ethic, right, as a, an intimate act has transitioned from this sacred expression of lifelong commitment to this casual expression of uh, autonomy and mere recreation. You, you know we're not the first generation to, to feel this way, though. I, I can remember my father when I was a child telling me, uh, my grandmother, she's 96 years old. She's in incredibly good health. She still drives herself around town, which is insane to me. But uh, she's 90, 96 years old. And anyway, uh, my dad was telling me back in 1956 that she was so upset when Elvis Presley shook his hips on national television. Uh, it was just absolutely obscene, she said. And, and as I'm hearing this story, right, I, I laughed out loud because I'm thinking, how ridiculous that you'd be offended by a guy shaking his hips. Like, and, and I guess that's because uh, our current pop stars have left us longing for something. You know, we, we wish it was just a fully dressed man shaking his hips in, the, in pop culture at this point. You, you see, the older that any of us gets, the, the more we see the fabric of American society seeming to unravel. And a lot of those are, are values that we hold dear. A lot of them we should hold dear. Now, that's not to say that, that everything was great in the past. It certainly wasn't. We were never truly a Christian nation. But, but it's easy to feel that we are living in a, a time when, when wickedness seems to succeed and righteousness seems to fail more often than not. Now, I, I've mentioned these wide-angle cultural things, right? But you've probably seen wickedness prosper and closer to you in, in life, right, on a personal level. You've seen dishonesty at, at work and someone gets ahead because of it. You've seen classmates that are cheating on exam and you're thinking, if I don't cheat, I can't keep up with them, uh, right, and they're getting away with it. They're prospering in that way. You see people lie to, to get themselves out of trouble or just to escape the punishment of it. And, and, and all these things, you see it left and right. And I don't mention this to, to make you all anxious and think, oh, the world's falling apart. Let's panic, uh, right? Let's in fact, I mention it to do quite the opposite for us today. 
What, what I want for you to see is, is that while Psalm 37 was written 3,000 years ago, try to get your head around that number, 3,000 years ago, and yet it still speaks to the experience of God's people in every single generation, including your generation. I, I, I want you to remember that the, the, the truthfulness and, and the value of God's Word is not contingent upon cultural acceptance. His Word is timeless, absolutely timeless. It was just as true yesterday as it is today, and this will continue to be true tomorrow as well. And, and, and Psalm 37 is, is uniquely, you know, equips us for the world that, that you and I actually live in today. A world where, as I, I mentioned before, we observe wickedness prosper, and we see, you know, in all sorts of forms, and we seem to see righteousness fail. Now, th there's two contrasting statements in this psalm. Uh, that give us a framework for, for how to live life when we see wickedness prosper around us. And, and the first statement speaks to our, our natural reaction, right? The one that you just have when you see it and, and you don't know why, but this is what comes out of you when you see wickedness succeeding. And the second statement speaks to a better way for God's people to live when wickedness does prosper. In that first statement, you'll see it there, verse 41, for, verse 1, not 41, verse 1, uh, right? Where we read this, fret not yourself because of evildoers. And we'll unpack that in the middle, but a minute. But the, the first, I want you to see that the, the contrasting response, right, um, to, to evildoers, which God gives us to, con, to con combat this temptation of fret, which is, look at verse 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Now, I hope you have the scriptures open before you, because I really want you to be able to see these two, these two verses particularly, right? You could do it with three as well, but, but we're going to do it with four. Um, and, and really compare them, because in verse 1, fret here, this is a verb, right? It's, it's action. Hopefully you know that by this point in your education, a verb is an action. Uh, that's one response when you hear of another story of wickedness succeeding. You can fret, right? And you're thinking, okay, so uh, fret. Uh, that's the one verb. And then in verse 4, there's another verb, grammar nerds. What's the verb here, right? Delight. So you're admitting to be a grammar nerd. I like it. I thought you were just a math nerd, but grammar nerd also? Intellectual, okay. All right, All right. Uh, fret and delight. These are the two corresponding verbs that we see here. And, these, and, and the statements, right, to both of them, fret your, uh, do, do not fret yourself, but delight yourself, right? That's, that's where it's, it, it's aiming for, right? Now, now, the phrase at the end of each verb also correspond to each other. We either fret ourselves because of evildoers, or, or we delight ourselves in the Lord. And, and what we need to see is there are two paths that stand before you today, that stand before you every single day. That the first path is to fret, and I am saddened by the fact that so many Christians today have chosen that path. That the second path is to delight in the Lord. That's the better path. That that's the path that we're called to here in God's Word. So, so let's make sure we understand this. Uh, in, in verse 1, the word fret comes from this Hebrew word chara, which doesn't matter to you, but what it means at the most basic level is to burn hotly, right? Like a fire that is burning hotly. And, and this is what many of us feel when we observe the world through, the, through media, through social media, through some sort of, uh, of aspect, right? You, you see this news, it confronts you, and you begin to burn hotly. We, we find ourselves anxious and distressed and agitated and just burning with anger. It, it's an internal anxiety that is, is driven by this, by this desire that, that we have control over the world right? 
And I, I know we say, well, I said I want God to have control of the world. Yeah, but really you want it to look like you want it to look like in, in that moment. And, and so then fret not, as our text reads it here, is this, this negative imperative, just meaning it's telling us not to do something, uh, but it's a command telling us not to do something. Don't fret. Don't burn with anger. Do not be anxious over these things. And now the second half of verse 1 says we're not to be jealous of evildoers. And I know on some level you think, I'm not jealous of evildoers. Uh, but there is this tendency that we have to, to always be looking through the fence and thinking, oh, it's, it's better on that side. That over there seems a lot easier. They have a lot more support, whatever it might be, right? When I, uh, you know, over the years when I'm driving through rural areas, I sometimes see these, these cows that are out grazing and, and surely you've seen this. They'll push their head through the barbed wire as far as they possibly can, reaching for some green grass um, that's over there. And I always see that and I think, man, that cow's stupid. Uh, because right behind him is, I don't know, 40, 400, I can't tell numbers on acres, but a whole bunch of lush green acres covered that he could be eating. And here he is just pursuing this grass on the other side as if that grass is somehow better. And, and the truth is, isn't that what we do sometimes, right? Just thinking it would be easier if I were on that side. Now, I'll be honest here. When I was in college, I was a believer in high school, uh, really coming into faith in college, but learning things along the way. And I can remember uh, at, in college feeling jealous of my peer, peers who kind of just got to live without morals. Like, that just seems easy. They seem to be having a lot of fun at times. Uh, they, they seem to be enjoying the freedom of promiscuity and, you know, the careless escape of drunkenness. Like, they're laughing. Uh, right? The lack of just fences in their life in, in any regards. And I, I know this kind of sounds like an after-school special in a little bit, but slowly I, I observed that they, they weren't actually as joyful and free as I initially thought. I, my, my freshman year, do they still call it potluck when you just, you're like, I don't care who my roommate is, give me anything, and then you regret it? No, you don't always regret it. Uh, right? So it's potluck. I did potluck. They just assigned you a random roommate, and I got paired with this guy Lex uh, from Austin, Texas, uh, and he just lived without boundaries. Now, he was really nice. I enjoyed him as a roommate. We got along well. Uh, but, he, you know, he'd often come in at night just laughing his head off and completely wasted. Uh, but, but then, I, you know, by living with this man, you begin to see, you know, when he sobers up, uh, when he finds himself later on having to face life without all that, he, he was very depressed. He'd constantly ask me these questions about, you know, the meaning of life, and we'd talk about it, and then he'd ask the same question again, but it was just kind of this, this looking for something. He, he wanted to know. He, he himself had no real reason for living. He just did the next fun thing after the next fun thing, hoping somehow it would mean something, and, and the more I got to know Lex, the, the more I saw that this, this life without moral restraint, it, it really wasn't something to be jealous of, and the simple thing is don't I know you're not all there, but, I, you know, don't envy the, the ethical freedoms of peers, right? Don't, don't envy someone who's depressingly imprisoned to sin, who doesn't really know what freedom is. Now, in, in, in our text, we, we, we're going to come back to this, this phrase, fret not, right? Fret not shows up two more times. You probably noticed because I don't, you know, once I know it, I emphasize it in the reading a little more. Uh, but in verse 7, it says, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in this way. Right? Don't be angry and anxious and, and stuff because of that. And listen to verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Right? You see evil. You get angry. You become evil. And, and that's what God wants to prevent from happening. 
Now let's uh, apply this to, to whatever it is in the world around you that, that tempts you to fret. And I make it wide-angled because there's a whole lot of things, and all of those are, all of you kind of have focused in on different areas where there's this temptation. Now, now if you fret, if, if you worry and, and, you, and you agonize like we just saw, you're going to become angry. That's the, the natural response. And, and that will lead you to the hatred of another human being created in the image of God. That, that hatred is, is evil. Our Lord in, in Matthew 5 says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't matter your age, but whatever it might be. While, while, while much has changed in our culture over the years, what hasn't changed is that we are a nation of people who desperately need the good news of the gospel. That has not changed. What hasn't changed is God's call for His people, for the church, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and that includes the very place you live right now, the very place you interact, the people that you interact with, whether they're the people you want to interact with or not, this is where the Lord has you. What hasn't changed is, is God's call for us to love our neighbors, no matter who they voted for or what crazy stuff they're posting on Facebook. What hasn't changed is, is God's sovereignty and goodness and grace and patience and, and the truth that all hope is found in Christ alone. Amen. Amen. And so some days you might feel fretful. But brothers and sisters, there is a path that you can walk that does not involve fretting. And that's the one the Lord calls us to. And that's the path of Psalm 34 or 37, 4, which, which let me remind you, this is not a suggestion like, hey, this is not our, your Lord saying, you might, if you haven't come up with anything better, I got an idea. It's not that. It's an actual command. It's a command to delight yourself in the Lord, which might sound strange because you're thinking, can you really command an emotion? Well, he does. So yeah, God absolutely can command an emotion. So how do we do that? Um, we get some insight to this in the verses both preceding and coming after verse 4. Uh, verse 3 tells us, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend, the faith, and befriend faithfulness. That's a good life mission right there, isn't it? To trust in the Lord and to do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You, you get what it's saying here? Right now, you are, uh, you, are you trusting the Lord? Are you trusting the Lord? Because fretting is not trusting the Lord. You want to delight in the Lord? The first step is just to slow down and, and ask God through prayer, God, in what ways am I not trusting you right now? You, you might need to do this over and over and over in many areas of your life. Every time you find yourself falling back into fretting over some issue, whether it be something really narrow or something very broad, uh, right, in your life or the culture. And so, you know, and also we, we delight in the Lord when we put our trust solely upon God. And we can do that because we remember that God is sovereign. And because He's sovereign, you don't need to be. You're not even if you want to be, but you also don't need to be. Whatever it is you're afraid of is, is not out of, out of God's control in the slightest. In other words, Jesus still sits on the throne. Verse 5 then builds on this as it calls us to, 
to put that trust into action. It reads, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. This means we keep following God's Word no matter what. It means we humbly put into practice, you know, Proverbs 3.5, which tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I mean, how often in our lives do we find ourselves leaning back on our own understanding? I know what your Word says, but have you, you know, like, but I think we've got to catch ourselves in that. Now, now, coming back to verse 4, do you understand that delight means that we take great pleasure in, in the object of delight, right? And, and so the object of delight here is of absolute uh, importance here, it's a significance here, right? It doesn't just say delight yourself, right, they, as if that's the end of itself, but delight yourself in the Lord. The, the phrase in the Lord, this is fairly common in, in Scripture. I did a, a word search on it. It's intriguing if you ever want to do that. Uh, here's what else that God in His Word says that we should also do in the Lord. Um, that our hearts should exalt in the Lord, First Samuel, that we believe in the Lord, Second Chronicles, that we take refuge in the Lord, Psalm 11, be glad in the Lord, Psalm 30, 32, shout for joy in the Lord, Psalm 33, boast in the Lord, Psalm 34, rejoice in the Lord, Psalm 35, hope in the Lord, Psalm 130, we learn God that will make us strong in the Lord, Zechariah 10, that we are to, be, to have confidence in the Lord. Galatians 5 and Philippians, we're told both to rejoice in the Lord and to stand firm in the Lord. And there's more than that. I'm just giving you a little bit. This is the essence of the Christian life. We are, we are not autonomous. What we do, we do in the Lord. Here in Psalm 37, the, the call is to delight yourself in the Lord. And, and this is wonderful for a number of reasons. The first of us, right, one is, is, is that if you delight yourself in the Lord, that cannot be taken from you. Everything else you delight yourself in can be taken from you. Whether we're talking about your, your health, the, the happiness of a loving relationship, your, your children, that things are going a certain way in the world, whatever else can be taken from you, but not God. Also because God knows there is nothing more satisfying than himself, which is great since, you know, the reason that God made you is so that you, uh, that he would be glorified in you. I, I still, I read this, golly, it must have been close to 20 years ago now, but I still appreciate that well-known statement by John Piper, which says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. One of the ways we, we glorify the Lord is by finding our satisfaction in Him. Isn't that what you really desire? For, for God to be glorified in your life and for your soul to be satisfied in God. And, and that satisfaction is the promise of verse 4. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, not, not something else, but in the Lord, then God gives us the desire of our heart. What this means is that God gives us Himself. It's like God saying, search for your satisfaction in me, and, and you will find it in me. And so then, as I, like I said before, right, the majority of this psalm, Psalm 37, are these proverb-like statements reminding God's people that in the short run, the wicked are not going to prosper. And it's this reminder, I know you think, like, it looks great for them, but in the long run, it doesn't go well for them, they are going to perish. And I know to some of you that sounds harsh. Let me remind you then, this isn't something I made up. These aren't my words. Verse 20, right? Look at this. For instance, it says, The wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. 
It's similar to what we saw in verses 1 and 2, right? Remember, don't be jealous when you see evil succeeding. When it says for, and then it says, uh, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. We, we know this well because we get such extreme things here, right? You, spring comes and everything around here is green. Your yards are green. And about this time of year, everything starts to brown and become withered, right? Uh, a few of your yards, you need an example? Go look at Ryan Sears' yard. He's actually killing it on purpose. Don't, it's not because he's a bad farmer. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, that's the idea, right? That it, it, Here comes the heat and all this stuff and it withers. It's gone. It's, it, the success of wickedness does not last. Even if it lasts an entire lifetime, don't forget we are eternal beings. You're an eternal being. The people you consider enemies who are doing unrighteousness and succeeding are eternal beings. If, if, if you run a race and you cross the finish line, you still exist after the finish line. Likewise, death does not end our existence. But verse 27 speaks of this truth when it says, Turn away from evil and do good, so you shall dwell forever. But verse 34 encourages our patience, saying, Wait for the Lord and keep His way. So Christian, I think the question for us as, as we live in an area, era of great godlessness is, is what do we do? How do you not become bitter, grow into be old curmudgeons? I don't think you want to be it. Some of you might want to be that. Right? How do we not do that? Not, not, not become, you know, hateful Christian who just want to crush everyone who disagrees with us. First, you remember that you will stand before God. Right? You're eternal, but, but it doesn't mean you live forever in this life, right? In this world. Try as you might, you will die and you will stand before the Lord. And I, I tell you that to encourage you to be faithful to what you know to be true. Not just what seems convenient and fits in right now. You can be true to God's word. Also, remember, it isn't your job to force everyone to obey God's word. It's not. We, we can't do that anymore. As much as I'd love to see the, the laws of our land aligned with the God's word, sure, I could rejoice in that. We, we can't truly legislate morality any more than we can truly change the hearts of sinners. We can't do it. It's a work God does. People have tried, it doesn't work, but, but that's okay because God didn't ask you to legislate morality. You see, in the, in the Great Commission, Jesus calls us to make disciples, baptize them, as, as, uh, baptize them and, and then teach them to obey the commandments of God. You see, you see the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit changes people, not the laws of a nation. See, 2,000 years ago, we as God's people were called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. 48 years ago, first thing I mentioned as far as things changing, 1973, we were also called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Six years ago, some of you remember that, right? We were called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That's our response to that. Christian, guess what you're called to do today in the world you live in today? To proclaim the gospel. And so be, be personally faithful to God's Word. Swim in it. Teach it to your children. Lovingly share it with your neighbor. Don't throw it at them. Share it with your neighbor. But, 
you can relax in the truth that you're not going to be held accountable for someone else's actions, what they do with it. You can hurt for that. You can pray for, for wondrous things to come as a result of that. But that's not ultimately on you. You don't change hearts. God does. And so relax, right? Because you are not the Christ. Some of you need to use that phrase in your life more often. You, I am not the Christ. Only Jesus is. And so church, let me remind you to love those who hate you. Love those who annoy you. Love those people you view as the, your biggest enemies. Love them because they need Jesus. Love them because they, they need eyes to believe. Love them because the love of Christ for we who are sinners also compels us to, to love other sinners. See, if there's one thing that I want you to walk away today, it's, it's this, Christian, fret not, but delight yourself in the Lord. And this is the daily thing, a daily thing. It's not easy. You're, you're going to get up tomorrow morning and the days after that, and you're going to see evil people do evil things and succeed, and, and you're going to want to fret. That's going to be your natural reaction. You're going to burn with anger. You're going to want to be worried. That's what's going to happen. You don't have to do that. In fact, you should not do that. Instead, feed on the faithfulness of God. You know, daily we need to seek God. We need to be asking Him, God, please remove my fretting. You know it's in my heart. Remove that. Holy Spirit, give me faith to delight and to trust in the Lord today. To trust you. And we do that day by day. Only then will we find the, the rest and the, and the peace that we long for. Now, now before we finish up, I, I do want to read the last two verses of Psalm 37 for, for our encouragement. It says this. Listen, it says, The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and He saves them because they take refuge in Him. So where do you go for refuge? I mean, really, right? I know we all know the right way. Go to God, right? But where do you really go? Where are we to go? Not, not the news, not Twitter, not politics, not mindless entertainment. We, we go to the Lord. That's where we find our refuge. Let's bring this to a close. And I, I don't mean this to sound dramatic, but it's easy to wonder sometimes, where does it all stop? I mean, how crazy are we really going to get as a culture? And at this point, I mean that on the left and the right, right? How crazy are we going to get? Or, or how marginalized as Christians are we going to become? And the truth is, I don't know. I don't know. And that's okay. But what I do know is, is this, that the, the Roman Empire, right, fell apart and Christ's church continued. Nations rise, empires fall. Power shifts one way, power shifts another way. Christians have been in places of power, which is a great place to be, and we have been marginalized and, and treated like the scum of the earth, right? Even as early as Nero is using Christians as uh, lanterns or living, for a while, living lanterns in his, his gardens. 
And and through it all, the the church continues on. And and no matter what happens in our nation or around the globe or in your life this this year, right, the, the church will continue on and the forgiveness of your sins in Christ will remain true no matter what happens to you or around you. There is nothing happening outside of you that prevents your faith in Christ from flourishing because your faith in Christ can flourish in the most inhospitable of environments. So Christians, stop fretting. Tomorrow the sun will come up. Tomorrow the birds will sing because that is what God has made them to do. Tomorrow, no matter what the situation, you can glorify God in your life. Tomorrow, like today, is a gift and there is delight to be had in the Lord. Don't miss that. There is delight for us to be having in the Lord. And so the world might change, but our gracious God, He never does because He's perfect. He's always a source of delight for His children. Rest in that. Rest in the Lord. The Lord who knows your sins and calls you to repentance and loves you anyway. Fret not, but trust and delight in the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we live in a world that increasingly feels out of your control. We struggle to understand how evil actions of some lead to their success. God, give us eyes to see the world as it really is, stained with sin, and yet to trust that you are reigning on your throne victorious. Take away our fretting as we learn to trust in you, and God, give us delight not to Not in stuff, not in success, not in legislation, but in you, God, in all that you are for us. Yes, Lord, make our hearts to desire what you have commanded in this song. Oh, Lord, may we not fret by delighting and and trusting in you instead. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.